Welcome to At The Horn, the podcast devoted to the University of Pikeville women's basketball program. I'm your host, Willard Nip, and on this episode, I'll be joined by Coach Clifton Williams. Together, we will look back at the Bears contest with Lindsey Wilson, Cumberland University, and Thomas Moore. We'll look ahead to the regular season's final road trip, which sees the Bears travel to Tennessee to play Freed Hardeman and Bethel. And in something we have yet to do this season, we're going to bring you the up-to-the-minute developments in the Mid-South Conference standings as of today, Friday, February the 18th, and the implications for next week's conference tournament. And as always, we will update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge, all on this episode of At The Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn, and I'm joined now by Clifton Williams, head coach, University of Pikeville Bears, coming off of a two-in-one week and preparing for a final road trip of the regular season. But we opened the week on Thursday, February the 10th, with a home game in the U-Pike gym against Lindsey Wilson. You played Lindsey really tight in a high-scoring affair at their place just a few weeks ago. Yes, we did. And you mentioned in last week's podcast, defense was going to be crucial to this game. We go from 88-84 final at Lindsay to a 70-62 final here in Pikeville. Tell me about the overall impression of the game, and then we'll unpack the game a little bit. You know, we say this every week when it comes to the physicality in the league. And, and with Lindsay Wilson, you know that they're going to follow you on the perimeter. They're going to make it tough. You're going to have to play through contact. Um, then offensively, they drive the ball so well uh, and attack you. And, and you've got to be in help defense. You've got to work like crazy to stay in front of the ball. Um, and, and we put an emphasis on that. They're going to try to run when they have the opportunity. And then keeping them off the three-point line. They've got a couple of shooters who can really light it up. Um, it, they hurt us in the three-point line at their place in the fourth quarter, uh, and, and we did not want a repeat of that. So we emphasized it, and our kids went out and, and executed the game plan against these guys. Certainly did. In keeping with the previous contest, the first quarter started out 17-15 in favor of Pikeville. Uh, second quarter, you opened a bit of separation, as the term that you have taught me over the course of the season. Gotten a degree of separation, 19-14 to take a 36 to 29 lead into halftime key moments. You've had me learning to look for these key moments in the, in the course of this season. So it seems like a key moment in this game in the second quarter, uh, Haley Eisen for Lindsay makes two free throws with seven, 18 to play to give them a 23, 21 lead. At that point, uh, you go on a 10 to two run over the course of the next five minutes and 40 seconds in which you held them from one out of nine uh, from the field goals, in field goals. And, and that's where you start to build some separation, turn a two-point deficit into a six-point lead. In that period, what, what stands out about that particular period in that stretch? Well, I mean, obviously you're stacking stops. And anytime you can get multiple stops in a row, um, and then, you know, we talk about it in practice all the time, is that we can't let these stops go to waste. We have to go down – and, and really attack them and focus on scoring the basketball because that's how you separate. You stack Scott stops. We talk about getting three in a row, right? That's our, that's our phrasing when we talk about it. Can we get three? When we get three, can we get four? 
And so our goal is to go down and, and get buckets in the meantime while we're stacking these stops. We hit a couple of threes. We went 40% from the three in that quarter, um, shot 50% from the floor, you know, and, and gave us a bit of a cushion. One of the things that I'm noticing is that that any particular player is capable going for going to 15 to 20 out, even off the bench. You've got players that are capable of coming in and going for 15 to 20 points in a game. Sometimes you'll have different players in back-to-back -back games, but sometimes you'll have players take over in quarters. Sierra Feltner, first quarter, she scores eight, going four out of six from the field, building on what she had done in the previous week. Second quarter, Morgan Stamper, five points, two rebounds, two assists, and two blocks came up big for you. How does it work when a player seemingly just takes over a quarter? They're not going to – maybe they don't have a great game numbers-wise, but they that one quarter, you can write them. Part of it is on, on the floor, you know, our kids are unselfish, so they'll move the ball around. And and if we see some somebody's got it going, you know, we, we tend to look for that. If, if I see that somebody's got it going, I'm going to call their number in whatever action that is, right? If Sierra's got it going, I may go to horns. I may go to, you know, some sort of high pick and roll action for her to be able to make plays. You know, if Mary's got it going, we're going to run some sort of Princeton action and get her the ball around the elbow. You know, if Morgan's got it going, we may run some open post stuff to where we can isolate her down low until they run out of gas or the shots stop falling. But Pike Bulls, 5 out of 13 from the field, 0 of 1 from the three-point line, 5 out of 6 from the free-throw line. That quarter ends 15 each, and you enter the final quarter at, still at that seven-point halftime lead, now at 51-44. What do you expect going into the fourth quarter? Expect them to make a run. That's what we expect. We know that, you know, this is a championship-caliber team. They're always in the tournament. They're always they're generally at the top of the league in the top four or five teams in the league. A um, little bit down this year in the second half of the conference season. Um, you know, they, they've been a little bit down, but their their pedigree, their DNA is still the same. So they've had a lot of success against us. And, and so their confidence is high. And even coming on the road, you know, we expected them to come out and, and try to punch us in the mouth and, and intimidate us. And so it was about us being able to match their physicality match the intensity, let them know that we meant business. And you do that in the sense that they're, they're, they don't make a big run, but they chip away at the lead. And with 521 left in the game, your lead is cut to four, 58-54. And you take a timeout at that point. What's your thinking? We're still in a two-possession game. You know, it's about reminding our kids the time, score, and situation, right? This is where we are. This is what we want to run. Let's get a bucket. Let's get a stop. And, and we keep it right in there. And the next three and a half minutes, well, 323 to be precise, you do exactly that. You stack, as you say, stack stops, mm -hmm. and you go on a nine to nothing run, uh, hold them to zero of five from the field. And Morgan Stamper comes back, had a good second quarter, has a good fourth quarter as well. In that run, she had five points, two rebounds, and an assist. And at that point, you turn a four point lead into a 13 point margin and you're able to take it home from there. We've, we've done a good job of getting to the free throw line um, on this winning streak, right? So, you know, they, they go 15 of 18. We make 18, go 18 for 21. If we're able to make as, at least as many or more free throws than the other team has attempted, 
we're going to be in good shape. Balanced approach. But that's, that's nothing new, right? It's the formula. That's that's what we've done all year. And when we play that way, the outcome's generally in our favor. Extends your streak at that point to five wins, I believe, in a row. And that mm-hmm. takes us to the Saturday game against Cumberland University. First thoughts coming into the game. In this particular game, you know, it's senior day. We we There's distractions leading up to senior day for our kids, you know, memories start flooding in for our seniors, right? There's a lot of emotion that goes into this for them. And and so by the time we're ready to play the game, um, we're hoping that all of that can get set aside and we can lock in. So this is game number six in 12 days. We start to see the fatigue early in this game from both teams, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think well, almost five minutes into the game, it's what, two to two? You know, I'm sitting here wondering, okay, What's it going to take to get going? And and so we get to the first media. I did not sub at all um, at that point. Tyra Johnson gets it going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. She yeah. gets it going. Young lady is a phenomenal shooter, scorer. She hit shots with, with people in her face, hands literally smacking her hand as she's releasing the ball. Yeah. You, you chose to guard her with multiple players and in, in watching the game. You had Sierra Feltner guard her son. You had Bailey Frazier guard her son. I, I think I even saw Mary Engler take a, a tournament, and maybe even AJ picked her up on a switch once. So what was the thinking behind, okay, we got a great score. We're going to have multiple players guard her. Well, I don't know that we thought about it in those terms because, you know, we, we'll switch. We'll emergency switch. Um, we'll plan switch. And, and the players communicate amongst themselves in terms of just trying to stay in front of the ball. So – I don't think it was planned that we per se that we would throw multiple defenders at her. What what is the the mindset is that okay if we're going to guard this team straight up and play her one on one that if she, we know she can get going and make shots we're going to be okay with her making shots as long as no one else is making shots as well. That's the only way they can hurt you is if if she goes for twenty five plus. And then they have one or two other players in double figures. Now we have a problem. Four minutes into the game before anybody scored, and that's when Mary gets a layup. Mary Engler gets a layup uh, with 5.54 to play in the first quarter. At, at the break, it's, though it's 11, 17 to 11, so obviously the two teams started to light it up a little bit. Johnson getting off to a bit of a slow start into that quarter with only three points. You have one, two, three, four, five, six players dent the scoring column in the first quarter. Uh, that would be indicative of the whole game. Balanced scoring for your team versus basically what became more or less a one-man show uh, for Cumberland. Well, I mean, you look at the second quarter and you got Johnson going five for eight, Sierra Feltner going four for four. You know, Sierra and Mary carried us in the second quarter, but we're just trying to keep up with Johnson. She's got 14 in the second. And, and, you know, they win the quarter. Um, they shoot 50%. We shoot 58%, 50% from the three and lose the quarter. Lose the quarter. And, and so it's a one-player gang. There's there's seven other points in that quarter outside of Johnson. When you, when you face that kind of adversity in terms of a really great score, do you, do you feel like, okay, this is a run that cannot continue forever? Or do you always worry about, well, maybe this is a run that one night they're going to go out there and do that kind of thing all night long? If you play playing against great scorers, there's always the potential for them to stay hot all night long. I've heard several coaches say, you know, over the course of my playing or coaching career that, you know, they can't stay hot for the whole game. Well, 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, there are some players who can get it going and keep it going all night long. There may be a lull in there where they miss a couple, but they're going to find it again. Um, in this instance, uh, my only thought was at one point where she was in the second quarter where she was making some really, really tough shots. And, and the thought crossed my mind, you know, are, are we going to face guard her? Like, am I going to go to a star defense against her? which puts a lot of pressure on the other four players on the floor because by star defense, now we've got to face guard her and try to take her away. Um, we decided not to do it. We talked, Coach Wheeler and I talked about it briefly and decided to stay the course, which was, well, she'll get hers. We'll be okay with that. No one else is getting theirs. And she carried that over into the third quarter, uh, a, a three-point lead at the end of, at the, end of the first half. Uh, they win the third quarter as well, once again, by three points. And so now we've got a tie game going into the fourth quarter. But in that third quarter, she goes three of five, one out of two from the three-point line, seven points, a seal, a steal, and two assists. Uh, so they get 21 points well, in the quarter. The problem with that is that she she gets hers, right? But right. if you look at the rest of the roster, they go 90% from the floor. Everyone else is going off too, and that's a problem. Right. That's exactly what you talked about. Right. So, you know, this is why we lose the third quarter. We shoot, you know, seven to 21. We take nine more field goal attempts than they do because we get loose from the three-point line. Our shot selection is a little bit off in the third quarter. Um, we attribute that to decision-making a little bit, uh, settling, uh, getting away from the things that we need to do to be effective offensively. And it starts with attacking the paint. Right. We want to attack the paint to score. We want to attack the paint to kick for rhythm or uncontested threes. Right. Everything is predicated on us getting to the paint, whether off the dribble or the pass. Takes us to the fourth quarter. And this is where I, I thought I saw as a spectator the strategy of different players guarding her Johnson come to fruition. It looked like you were able to wear her down. Uh, she played 37 minutes in the game. But in that fourth quarter, games back and forth, that's tied at 46, it's tied at 51, it's tied at 53. Uh, again, the crucial point that you, you teach me to look for, 7.57 to play. She makes, Johnson makes a jump shot to put uh, Cumberland up 55-53. But from that point on, you go on an 18-4 run to finish the game. But more pivotably, 11 to 2 over the course of the next three minutes and 19 seconds. And in that span, you're five out of seven from the field. And they're starting to go fatigue. They are one out of eight in that same time period with three turnovers. Mm -hmm. You're stacking your stops. You're getting your shots. After a lackluster offensive performance, right? My message to them or, or our conversation was, we're right where we want to be with 10 minutes to go. In spite of how things have gone up to this point, we're right where we want to be. We talked about finishing all year long. When we go to the fourth quarter, it's known, you know, we, what we talk about is it's winning time. Mm -hmm. And, and so what, what is required of us? And we didn't score for almost the first three minutes of the fourth quarter, but in that stretch, in those first three minutes, we were intentional about attacking the paint. I think there were two shots in that stretch because I watched the film yesterday. There were two shots in that stretch where we settled for a shot. Like we weren't super aggressive in getting the ball inside. 
And the first two buckets that we got were off drives. AJ drove off a skip pass into the corner, gets to the rim. Sierra drives off the wing, gets to the rim. That's our first two buckets of the fourth quarter. Again, being consistent and staying aggressive in what we wanted to do. And then once it's, we started to see it go through the net, here we go. 71-59 final score. Looking back at the statistics, again, five players in double figures. They only have Johnson in double figures, though Odom comes off the bench to get nine for them. Not the best of shooting nights, as you had mentioned. Uh, 39.1% from the field for the game. 18.8% from the three-point line. But here we go. As you mentioned, 18 of 20 from the free throw line. They were playing a perimeter game, it felt like. And so they only get to the line five times. They make four, but 80% when you only take five shots won't hold up against 90% when the opponent's taking 20 from the charity stripe. You turn that into a 14-point advantage in a game that you win by 12. We knew that if we attacked the basket, they were going to foul us. So can we play through the contact? Can we play off two feet and stay balanced? We're, we're – I- Pretty sure, I don't want to speak ahead because I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm pretty sure we're the best free throw shooting team in the conference. Why wouldn't we want to get to the line as much as possible? It is the highest percentage shot in basketball. It's not a layup. It's the free throw. That's the one where there is no defense ever. Yeah, your only defense on free throw line is not put an opponent there. That's it. So you come away, that's a six straight win, and you're very much in contention now. In the conference, we know what the first two teams look like. We know what the last three teams are starting to look like. The, the conference, which has been in flux all year long, is starting to take shape. You make the trip to Northern Kentucky to play Thomas Moore. Number two team in the country uh, had just come off a defeat. And I remember saying to my son at the time, great, somebody's gone and made him mad. Uh, you're playing with house money in the sense that, that the pressure is all on them. But they've gotten refocused, and so you hit a buzzsaw Monday night up at Thomas Moore. Tell us about that game. Do I really have to? <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, – you know, when I go back and I, and I watch the film from, from the Cumberland game, you know, and I could see at the start of that game, right, like it took us a long time to get going. And, and, and that's just – it's wear and tear. Right. It's February. It's the volume of basketball we're playing. It's the, the lack of practice time that we have to stay to stay fine tuned. Not not to make that as any excuse whatsoever, like because we played well in, in a lot of these stretches. Um, it's the mental fatigue and the mental wear and tear that it takes on you to to continue to stay focused and make great decisions. And we did run into a buzzsaw of Thomas Moore. I'm going to give them credit first off on the defensive side of the ball. The level of pressure that they put on us took us completely out of our comfort zone in terms of we weren't on rhythm shooting the basketball. We weren't in rhythm running our offense. Um, they sped us up and, and made us play at a pace that we weren't comfortable playing. Um, and even though we started the game fairly quickly, uh, their ability to shoot the three ball neutralized that just as quickly to end the first quarter. First quarter, 14-10, but the second quarter, they really, there's that word separation, 27-8, second quarter. And that's one where you could just, I think, start to see it slip away. 
tell me about that second quarter. What made the difference, and and what was it about that quarter that that allowed them to break away? The, the second quarter is a three point line, right? Like you look at the field goal percentage. We go two out of seventeen from the floor, which speaks to how uncomfortable we were on the offensive end. Um, nothing was falling for us. We had trouble finishing inside over Chrisman. Uh, she did a good job against Morgan. And then they go 61% from the floor, 57% from the three. Perfect storm. Like, they just shot the lights out. They're at home. Um, again, coming off a game on Saturday where they'd made 16 threes. Uh, it was impressive performance by them. So let's give them credit where credit's due there. Uh, he doesn't so much substitute as he does line shifts. Well, I mean, it, it's 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 certainly an advantage. It keeps to, his starters. It keeps his starters uh, pressure this time of year. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, not only in a game, but throughout the course of the season, mm -hmm. as we've talked about, teams that go seven, eight deep, sounds really great. You've got continuity, but when you could go eleven and twelve deep. And, and get meaningful minutes, then that the first five, they're getting some bench time at later on in the season is going to pay huge dividends. Yeah. Seriously, you've, you've seen them twice now. You pushed them to overtime here. Yeah. National contender, can they, can they win the whole thing? Yes, they can. I mean, you're talking about a team that got to the final game last year. Um, when they're shooting the ball at a high clip like that, and, and they've got their post player protecting the rim and defending and rebounding inside like that, um, they they'll they give themselves a great shot every night. You know, you've got to bring your A game for 40 minutes against a team like that. And and at the D3 level, they've won multiple national championships. That's a program that knows how to win. Um, Jeff Hans is an excellent coach. We had to eat our slice of humble pie and drink a big glass of milk. And the winning streak at six ended there. Right. We'll come back in a moment. We'll take a look at what's to come for the Bears over the course of this last road trip, and then we'll peek ahead to the conference tournament, all on this episode of At The Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn. Coach Williams and I want to talk about what's ahead. You've got one road trip, regular season road trip ahead of you. On Thursday, you go to Freed Hardeman, team you defeated here. Uh, seems like not that long ago, and yet in some ways seems like a year ago already. And then on Saturday, go to Bethel. Uh, only a couple weeks ago here, Jan January thirty first, right? Right. Yep. So let's talk about those two games. What do you What do you anticipate from these two teams? Start with Freed Hardeman. Um, first of all, we've never been to Freed Hardeman, so it's the first trip we'll take uh, to their place. We expect a similar game to what we saw here. I think they would rather have it in the, in the fifties and sixties, more of a half court grinded out kind of game. Um, they, they beat Thomas Moore here uh, last weekend, I believe it was on a Saturday. Yes. And the score was 54 to 47. Um, a game where Thomas Moore went two out of 20 from the three. Um, and they were just able to grind it out. Right. It was their kind of game. Uh, They've got some shooters. They'll post up guards. You know, we're, we're familiar with the action that they run. It's going to be a toughness battle in this game. Can you win the grip? Can you win the rebound battle? Can you, in particular, create second chance opportunities with offensive rebounds? And can you go on the road and knock down shots? 
right? You're going to have to score in the mid-range, hit a few threes. But it, ultimately, it's going to get down to defending it in the half court and rebounding the first miss on the defensive side of the ball and limiting their second chance opportunities. It's one of those where I think if you feel like you, if you get to 70, you got to feel good about your chance to win if you could score 70. Yes, I I do. Um, our defense has been solid. You know, if you, if you take the outlier out from Monday, right. Defensively, we've been, we've been pretty solid over the last six games. Um, six of the last seven games. And, and so getting back to, to who we've been in, in our man coverage on the defensive side of the ball in our George defense, um, we give ourselves a pretty good shot. And then Saturday, the regular season comes to a close at Bethel, a team receiving votes for the top 25, but it feels like practically about every team you've played at some point in time this year has been a team that's received votes at some point in time of the season. But you pull away late uh, to win that game by about a 15-point margin, plus or minus. Uh, what do you expect going there? We've been playing Bethel since 2016. Yeah, before they entered the league. They were still in the Southern States Conference when we started playing them. I remember our first game against them. We played in a classic at Campbellsville. Kella Eldridge is still on the team. Devin Conley, you know, it's still November, right? And they're ranked 14th in the country, 16, something like that. They're top 20. And we go knock them off, right? It's the, it's the first game of three uh, on a, on a three game weekend. And I don't know, it's been, it's like you match up with some teams and some opponents. Like we, we've just, we've had success. We've lost to them once over since 2016 and I don't know that we've lost at their place when we've gone there I say that to say that our kids are going to go in there with the level of confidence um, that they've built and and so we're going to go in there and compete like crazy Chris has got a really really good team he's a good coach um that's going to be a physical battle They've got some transfers in. They may look a little bit different than we saw the first time around because mm -hmm. it seems like forever ago when we played them. Um, and outside of us playing in the second half of the conference schedule and getting on a run, they've been the other team that's been on a run. Yeah, This could be the battle of the weekend right here, us and Bethel. It's, it's I, wrote, well, I was taking that outside of Thomas Moore and Thomas Campbellsville. Thomas Moore and Campbellsville, yes. Right. I wrote a letter to our team because I'm not traveling with them today. Um I'll catch up with them tomorrow in Tennessee. But I wrote a letter and, and just reminding them that, you know, who they are and what they've done over the last seven games and how they've got it done. You know, we've been the tougher team when we've stepped on the floor every single night when we've gone out in that six-game winning streak. Um, and, and that's what it's going to take for us to finish this deal. We talked all year about finishing quarters, finishing drills in practice, finishing quarters in games, uh, and finishing games in general. Um, and we've improved over the course of the year in, in all of those areas. And, and so now we get down to the last week of the season, and it's the last two games, it gets right back to finishing, mm -hmm. right? If we finish the way we want to uh, and, and 
go out and and show the toughness that we're capable of and and it's not just a physical toughness right it's mental toughness it's emotional toughness it's a combination of those three that really carries you over the top because you're going to face adversity in both of these games we're going to face a level of adversity how will we respond to it All right same conversation we had after the thomas moore game yep we you know we, we got a big slice of humble pie we, we eat it, we, we chase it down with some milk. Now, how are we going to respond going forward? Um, we had a really spirited practice uh, yesterday. Kids had a lot of energy, and I'm excited about this week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to At The Horn, and this segment is different than Welcome back to At The Horn. This segment is different than any we have recorded all season because it is being recorded on Friday, February the 18th, and we are going to look at last night's Mid-South Conference games, which had a significant impact on the conference standings and, consequently, next week's postseason conference tournament. After a season in which conference standings have been up and down with significant fluctuation, we finally have some clarity and a better understanding of what to look for in tomorrow's regular season finale. As you may know by now, Pikeville picked up a significant road victory over Freed Hardeman, winning by a score of 71 to 60. It was a well-balanced scoring attack with four bears and double figures. Mary Engler led the way with 14 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. Sierra Feltner added 13 points, going 6 of 6 from the charity stripe in the fourth quarter, which was critical in holding off Freed Hardeman's comeback attempt. Bailey Frazier contributed 12 points, 6 rebounds, and an assist. Morgan Stamper finished just short of yet another double-double by coming up one short in each category, 9 points, 9 rebounds. A.J. Reed and Leanna McNulty provided quality minutes off the bench. A.J. scored 12 points while Leanna added 9 points and 6 rebounds. With the victory, the Bears improved to 11-10 and 10 in conference play and 17-11 and 11 overall. With that, let's look at the rest of the Mid-South Conference standings in light of last night's games. Thomas Moore survived a controversial ending in regulation to defeat Georgetown in overtime. With the score tied and time winding down, Georgetown committed an apparent foul at the buzzer. After conferring, the officials added three-tenths of a second to the clock and awarded Thomas Moore two free throws with an opportunity to win the game in regulation. The Thomas Moore player missed the first free throw, but connected on the second, which caused a Thomas Moore substitute to run out onto the court thinking the game was over. The officials saw the action, and as Thomas Moore had already received a bench warning, called a technical foul. Now it was Georgetown's turn to go to the charity stripe with two free throws to win the game. The Georgetown player was only able to make one out of two technical free throws to again tie the score, and the Tigers were unable to get a shot off before the end of regulation. Thomas Moore held on to win in overtime. That means tomorrow, Saturday, February the 19th, Thomas Moore will travel to Campbellsville in a game with national implications. 
The winner will be the regular season conference champion, earn the number one seed in the conference postseason tournament, and earn one of two automatic bids the Mid-South Conference has to the national tournament. The loser of the contest will be the number two seed in the conference tournament, and regardless of the outcome, both teams will make the national tournament and be highly seeded. The University of Cumberland's defeated Bethel and leapfrogged Georgetown after their loss to Thomas Moore for third place in the conference standings. If both teams win or both lose, Cumberland's will hold on to the number three seed. If Cumberland's were to lose their final matchup against Freed Hardeman and Georgetown were to defeat Shawnee State, then a conference tiebreaker would come into play. Either way, Cumberland's and Georgetown will join Thomas Moore in Campbellsville in Bowling Green and avoid having to play a first-round conference tournament game. The fifth seed in the conference tournament is simple. It will go to the winner of the U-Pike-Bethel game. Both teams are 11-10 and 10 in the conference. The winner will be 12-10 and 10 in the conference and take the number five seed. But the loser of that contest will finish the season 11-11 and 11 and have to wait to see what seed they could have in the conference tournament. Freed Hardeman and UT Southern could also finish 11-11, and 11, which would produce a three-way tie for the 6th, 7th, and 8th seeds. At that point, a complicated tiebreaker comes into play, and we'll simply have to wait to see what happens. Regardless of the outcome, seeds 5-8 through eight will host first-round on-campus tournament games on Monday. So, just to be clear, U-Pike has clinched a home tournament game on Monday at a time and against an opponent yet to be determined. Seeds 9 through 12 appear to be locked into place. Lindsey Wilson is 8 and 11 and has nailed down the number 9 seed regardless of their result on Saturday. They will travel to face the 8th seed on Monday. Cumberland University has secured the number 10 seed and will travel to face the number 7 seed. Shawnee State is the number 11 seed and will travel to face number six, while Life University is the 12 seed and will travel to face number five, either U-Pike or Bethel, depending on Saturday's results. Thanks for joining us on this episode of At The Horn. But before we go, there are two items of business to which we need to attend. The first is to congratulate Coach Clifton Williams on his 100th career victory as the Bears coach, which was earned over Lindsey Wilson on February the 10th. Well done, Coach. And second, as always, we want to update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge. For those who may be unfamiliar with the challenge, Coach Williams donates $1 for every two or three point bucket the team makes to the backpack ministry of Pikeville United Methodist Church and challenges others to do the same. The ministry addresses the issue of food insecurity for children who rely on schools to provide meals and may not have food at home over the weekend to sustain them. Working in cooperation with school officials, we are able to provide low preparation food items for the students to take with them in their backpacks when they leave school at the end of each week. This past week saw the Bears sink 24 buckets against Lindsey Wilson, 25 against Cumberland, 16 against Thomas Moore, and 23 against Freed Hardeman. 
That now brings the season's total to 802 buckets, with Coach Williams having donated that amount to Pikeville United Methodist Church. And we are happy to report that as of this moment, every bucket has been matched. Thank you, one and all. If you would like to match an upcoming game, a week, or even the entire season that's just about gone now, and need additional information, you can call Pikeville United Methodist Church at area code 606-437-7315, or you can email the church at office.pumc, short for Pikeville United Methodist Church, office.pumc at gmail.com. If you wish to donate by check, make that check payable to Pikeville United Methodist Church and put buckets for backpacks in the memo and mail it to PUMC, P.O. Box 311, Pikeville, Kentucky, 41502. Hey, thank you for joining us today and join us next week as we move into the postseason edition of At the Horn. And as always, go Bears! Go Bears!